Hey, 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 closet busters and bold move makers. It is time once again for Life Hunt Closet. So I want you to gather around because it is time once again to kick down those closet doors of your life. We're here to escape our BS, explore our fears, and elevate our self-expression. I'm your host, Rick Clemens. I'm the bold move expert and that coming out guy who's going to take you to the party, the pulpit, the wake, and back to the party of living your life on closet. So come on along with me and grab hold of yourself and get ready to step out, step up, and step into facing your fears, making your bold moves, and living life without apologies. Now let's get to the show. All right, Life and Closet family, you would have to be living under a rock or hiding somewhere deep into the depths of the earth to not have recently lived through the pandemic. And for the pandemic, it brought up so much stuff for so many of us from grief and loss for many of us to, hmm, what should I do with my life to figuring out what's next to, in some cases, making a really big move to do something that's kind of been itching at you for many, many years. And today's guest is going to share with a couple of things that was, well, itching at him under the surface. And then it came out in some beautiful creativity with a new book he's just released. And I feel like it's such a beautiful way of talking about something that's your own personal experience, but then putting it into a fiction type book that has some whimsy and fun to it, but yet tells the story of your own feelings. So coming to us live from the beautiful area of Phoenix, Arizona, where it's pretty hot, probably today. I think he told me it was 100 degrees today. Uh, I'd like to welcome my guest, Joe Maxton, to the podcast, an author, former podcaster, TEDx speaker a business guy, a father, all these lovely things. And I'm so glad to have you here, man, to share your journey to finding yourself and opening yourself up creatively, man. So welcome to the podcast. Uh, Rick, thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Absolutely. Uh, yes, and it, it barely hit 100 today, so not yeah. too bad. Hopefully it's the last one. <laughs> last one. I know it's kind of the same thing here in California right now. They're like, well, we got one more summer heat wave. And I'm like, okay, that's great. But it's preparing us really well. My husband and I are... By the time this one airs, we will already be back. But today we're recording this if you're preparing to go to Polynesia and it's going to be in the 80s and 90s the whole time we're there. So I'm like, okay, I guess I can like, here, let me put the swimsuit on right now so I can just get used to it. But um, (laughs) anyway, so quite a a journey you've had. Everything from like some church rejection to finding yourself in some creativity and and then finding yourself in other ways. So midst of the pandemic, Things are happening all over the planet for many of us. Yeah. And a little inkling, I shouldn't say little, but kind of a little urge that needed to get scratched finally came to fruition for you where you're like, I just need to deal with this. So take us into that part of your yeah. story, man. Yeah. So I had been in, um, I'd, I'd been in a, my third year of trauma therapy. Uh, I have kind of a crappy childhood. Uh, and I'll talk more about that with the book, but my mom left me when I was 13. I don't know my dad. Um, I kind of lived in this space uh, with the uh, with the church, where the church played my family. They were that that uh, that gap uh, that uh, needed to be filled for me. Uh, so I had been doing therapy to try to work through my family issues, and kind of once we got through that, uh, there was you know still something there. And my goal uh, as a conservative Christian. Uh, at the time was how do we cut this out, like, get rid of it so I can go back and kind of align with the standard non-denominational church 
everybody's married world. And I tried for six months to just hack it out of me. My, my therapist was like, I don't know if this is going to work, but you're the patient and we got to try something because if you're resistant, it's not going to, it's not going to matter because you're never going to get there. So let's do that. Um, and ultimately after six months, I was just at the darkest part of, of, uh, my soul and, and my life and just realized I just can't, I just can't do that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I went to my therapist and I just said, all right, well, what would it would look, what would it look like? You know, I, how, how do I like accept that part of myself? And we went on this journey for another six months of just mm-hmm. exploring those parts of myself uh, that I had really pushed away uh, right. for decades uh, because of what I was told uh, when I was a kid and when I was in high school and then just reinforced through adulthood that I was just bad. I, there were evil parts of my life um, if I chose to be gay. So um, as I started seeing those points in my life of, of, of these little parts of kids that right. were scared and little gay Joey, uh, I was like, wait a second, he he's a great kid. And so starting to forgive myself um, and and actually working through what we actually called the desolate place, some visual Mm, visualization mm -hmm. with my therapist of going to kind of all the rejected parts of myself. Um, But uh, I might be getting ahead of myself, but kind of there's, there's the broad strokes of what, um, what transpired uh, in, in pandemic you know, I'm, I ended up saying, okay, I'm gay right. to my therapist on a Zoom call in my bedroom and just sobbing because mm. I just, the first time I would, felt like I could actually breathe, uh, that there was more to who I was than what I believed for so long. Right. Uh, and to just to start allowing that part of myself to have a glimpse of what life could be like. It was, it was I, hard I, and it was beautiful. Well, but I think that's the beautiful piece is maybe if this isolation hadn't happened, so to speak, in this pandemic and everything, I mean, for most of us, eventually our truth will come to the surface, right? It'll come out, <clears throat> no pun intended there, but... When we had the time, there was many things. I mean, I worked with so many people on so many different fronts, like, well, between coming out and starting a new job or finding it something that made them passionate. This was a reckoning on the planet in so many ways. And as you felt within your own journey, there was something there, but it was, you know, I'm going to just lean into some of the stuff you already shared, you know, the family nurturing side even though you had it through the church you didn't have the typical familial mom dad present to kind of help guide you to help you understand those things not that most of us do i mean most of us who come out of the closet there's more than not the support you need to try to figure this stuff out plus we live in a world where that stuff isn't really air prevalent much more so now these days than that not before but even in this day and age we see what's happening and getting pushed away and say no you can't be that So I find it really powerful, Joe, that you saw the little Joey within begging, crying to like, I need to be seen and heard for who I truly am. 
And to do it in a space and time when, okay, now that I do this, now what, right? I mean, the planet's on, on hold, so to speak. So talk a little bit about what that felt like. You have this, you disclose this to your, you know, therapist and then, okay, I know this is what I am, but now what do I do with it? Right. Oh yeah. Yeah. So thankfully I had uh, a couple of, uh, of, of guys around me from my church community, my, my father-in-law who I call dad and um, three other guys that uh, I had shared parts of what I was struggling with. They kind of knew that I had in the Christian world, same sex attraction, you know, when I was younger and, uh, but I was sharing pretty transparently about what was going on in therapy uh, from this first point of like, Hey, like, I I think I might be gay and I don't know what to do with that to pretty sure that I'm gay to, Hey man, I'm gay. Like it it took this, this process, but um, I had, I had a couple of people around me that I could talk about it with. Um, but then when I, when I got to the point of acknowledging, okay, I, I'm gay and I'm actually okay with that. I think that was really hard uh, because there mm-hmm. was this, this internal battle of having said it to my therapist and it now being real, but also being in a very conservative Christian church, like, okay, yeah, but I can't do anything about it. And I actually felt worse about myself having ex- having accepted that I was gay and being okay with it, but then also not not being able to talk about it with anybody. Because everybody was like, okay, you're wrong, you know, you have sin in your life, you, you know, it's your battle, it's your cross to bear. There was no place to actually just say, well, what does that look like? Um you know, so it took another couple of months of talking to that same group of people and uh, a little bit of a larger uh, community. So about six uh, guys and, and their uh, their wives and, and my pastor um, and realizing that there wasn't a place for me in that community anymore, which was <laughs> quite difficult uh, because it was all I, I, I knew it mm. like for my was entire that- life. But I'm curious, was that something that, I mean, you kind of grew up with it. Was that, was homosexuality and being gay something that you like saw that this was how they would go about this or was it just, it was there, but you never really crossed your mind? Yeah. So it's a great question. Uh, So it was always there, but I had made a decision in, in, in my teens because I was told in my teens that there's a special place in hell for people who are gay from my church. Like there, there was no room for discussion. Um, and I, I had messed around with, uh, with a guy in high school, uh, for, you know, a couple of, couple of times. And I knew I, I was like, Oh, I really like that. I'm a horrible person. Mm-hmm. So it, when I was, when I was in my teens, and it kept being reinforced that being gay is evil. Yep. I literally packed it in a box and pushed it off to the desolate place. Right. Because there was just no room. Um, being somebody who had been abandoned by his mom, neglected for years, not knowing his dad, and the church taking me in, I couldn't afford emotionally to have one more person or one more thing leave. So mm. I was like, okay, 
to survive, they're going to put this in a box and you're just going to keep pushing it away because they said it's bad. And that's what yep. I did for, for decades. But that's what most of us do. And I, I don't think anybody outside of coming out of the closet can really realize the magnitude of pushing it off to that desolate place. Now I'm going to not, I'm going to also caveat that to some degree because anybody who deals with bullying because of a disability or because of being obese or not being the prettiest person on, you know, on campus or whatever, I'm not going to say we're the only privileged minority because we have people of color and everything else that deal with this. Mm -hmm. But there's something that about that being told you're damned to hell and you're not any good. And, and that fear-based piece that is so prevalent in religious worlds, it's scary. It is yeah. so scary, you know? And I don't know that anybody can really get it except if you've actually lived it. Mm -hmm. And that's the piece that is also compelling to hear your story of you knew it was there, but like most of us, you couldn't do anything with it because you were afraid to do anything with it, so to speak. Mm -hmm. But yet, yeah. you know, here we are trying to do this. So let's kind of roll forward to the pandemic. And then when you come out of the pandemic, you're now quote, you know, out gay man. And yeah. then suddenly one of the ways to can like come to terms with all this is let's write a book. And it wasn't yeah. your first book. You've written another book prior to this, but mm -hmm. what a beautiful way to like bring this through and process. But for most of us, I'm going to use myself as an example. I told my story, but I told my story in my story format. What you did mm -hmm. so beautifully with Creosote Rain is you brought in fictional characters and all this sort of stuff. So how did that come about that you started to see this in a different lens of, well, I could tell my story, but I think I'm going to do it this way. Yeah. So it, it, it actually isn't fiction. Like this is, this is. Oh, really? Fiction. It's, it is my memoir. I know it sounds like a joke when you read the cover and you read the back of the book, you're like, that's, there's no way, but it, it is true. It, it is a very true story. I grew up in Tucson through junior high. We were on the traveling carnival. The things that happen in the book are actually what happened. My siblings, uh, us working on the carnival, my mom leaving, the the amount of violence that we had in our home, uh, my stepdad, um, his mental health issues, all of that is true. They, this wow. woman who was just a friend from church took me in uh, in high school and took my brother in. These these are this is this is my story. Um, it does read like fiction, though. <laughs> when, when well, yeah, as I was reading the covers, I'm like, oh, this is interesting. Now, I'm going to, true confessions here. I, and I don't know if it's a confession. This is one of the books that I have downloaded onto my Kindle to read while we're on this almost three-week vacation. So I'm going to be on a boat for seven days in the middle of the ocean. So got to figure out something to do, right? Yeah. <laughs> Even though I'm going to be with a lot of gay people on this ship. So I'm sure we're going to figure out things to do for seven days in the middle of the ocean. But um, I just, <laughs> yep. I, you know, and I was like skimming through this. And then I saw, you know, I knew we, I knew we were going to have this interview after we like jockeyed it around like, hey, let's do this right now. Right. I'm like, oh, I need some more books. And I saw yours and it's part of my Kindle Unlimited. I'm like, cool, let's 
get this and read it. So, um, so my, I guess my yeah. true confession is I haven't really read it. I've read the cover and so I'm like, okay, cool. This sounds great. Yeah. So, but I love this, that it is then really your, you know, it's your memoir. It's some of your truth and everything because it's going to showcase at least what I understand bits and pieces of your truth. That's now prevalent and out there in the world. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I have to ask this question because when I was on podcasts and promoting my book and everything, it was always the question that kind of got annoying after a while, but it was actually such a beautiful question. So what was the cathartic release that you got from writing it and putting it out there mm-hmm. in the world? Yeah. Yeah. So it, it's, it's Joey. So I, I have the, have the book here. I'd rather just read you the, the dedication. So I like mm. I pondered who do I dedicate this to? Like my kids, like I love my kids. I, I longed to be a dad and to give them what I, what I wanted growing up. And, uh, I'm I'm just honored that I have wonderful children. You know, but as I kept thinking about it, I kept going back to Joey, my younger self. Um, and so I actually wrote the dedication is for Joey, my younger self. Your voice matters. I see you. I love you. Thank you for taking care of me for so many years. As I as I wrote this book, it brought up a lot of pain uh, from just the abuse uh, and that me and my siblings. Um, received uh, in our home, you know, dealing with mental health issues with my mom and my stepdad, uh, my mom leaving me, and then just my sisters. Um, I, I have two sisters who are six and seven years older than me, and then a brother who's about a year older than me. And to see them now, to see like how resilient we all are, and that we are healthy adults with kids. Um, when you know our, that wasn't our story, right? And so helping Joey be able to to talk about how he just longed to be seen, wanted to belong somewhere, you know, in even in spaces of where you're like part of a nuclear family, just right. I never felt like I belonged. And you know, then when your mom leaves you so many times, and then ultimately makes a decision at at 13 of like, okay, I'm done. I'm not gonna. I, I'm going off um, with with my boyfriend. Like what that does to your psyche. Yeah. Uh, and uh, I felt like if, if we could tell Joey's story, maybe somebody else out there mm-hmm. that has maybe a different story, but something similar, they can find the strength to find community, community somewhere to be able to tell their story and start to heal. Um, so it was, this wasn't the book that I had planned on writing. I actually was mm-hmm. planning to write a book about being a dad. And cause I just, I love it so much. Um, but as I was writing the book, I, all these stories about my mom kept coming up. Right. And so I really fought going back and forth. Like, wow, why are all these stories of my mom coming up? And I'm supposed to be writing, writing about being a dad and like my dad's story, the absent dad story. Uh, and I just felt like, this is what Joey needs to be able to say. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, finding so, space to be able to do it. That's so cool because just the voice of Joey being able to say these things. And I, I think for most of us as, as humans, but especially those of us that are gay men, the little boy voice is always within. And it's always interesting to me to go be in the group of 
be in a group of gay men. <laughs> so I'm getting ready to get on the, you know, a Petri dish of 260 gay men and just observe because I can always see the little boy within. It doesn't matter how yeah. old they are, you know, whether it's the having to be fabulous or so that, so then there's the need for like to be seen and attention to the super successful. Like I just have to be the overachiever. So if I'm overachieving, nobody's going to really know what's going on. It's just such a powerful thing, which those are traits that happen in most humans, but there's something about the psyche of gay men and how we present. It's just beautiful. And I never, you know, I don't, I shouldn't say I never criticize, but I try to not look through that critical eye of like, I'd rather look at it. Like, look at this beautiful guy. And yet he's still struggling. Here's the little boy within still trying to find himself. Yeah. And when I've worked with individuals, one of the things that I always do is put them through that exercise of what would, in your case, little Joey say, what would little yeah. Joey be wanting to do right now? What is it little Joey desires in this moment? Even if I did this with a client of, couple of months ago and we were working on relationship issues and i said well let's let's take you back i'm going to use your name and not my client's name at this point like if little joey at seven years old was contending with this kind of issue what would he actually do and he said he'd probably go forget it and walk away and go find a new friend i said would little joey really like to do that well yes well why isn't little joey doing that and my client got really quiet and he said, because little Joey's scared that he'll lose another friend and he really has a hard time making friends. And this was about an intimate partner. This wasn't about a friendship. This was about intimate partner. And so it was really beautiful to see here was at the crux of what was going on for him. And, you know, I was like in the, that realm of, okay, I'm, I'm coaching right now. We're getting close to therapy sort of stuff here. But I said, okay, but if little Joey was actually standing right beside you right now, and egging you on to do the best thing you could for yourself, what would he say? And he said, he would say, do the thing that best works for you right now in this moment. And it was such a beautiful thing, Joe, because it, it kind of opened my client up to like starting to have some dialogue. Okay. And then what else would, you know, Joey's holding your hand. He's standing right there with you telling you, you're going to be okay. And it was such an empowering move that it just, it almost like, open up the floodgates of the possibilities yeah. for my client. Yeah. So. yeah, but I, I, I love that story because it, it reinforces. And I understand it, I have not been in the gay community very long, so I, I don't know this, this struggle. I'm, I'm, I'm starting to hear people's stories. Mm -hmm. what, what I have heard, because it's amazing. If you tell your story, how the walls actually come down and then they absolutely the other person in the gay community is like, Oh, well, the church hurt me or my, my dad never talked to me or whatever, whatever mm -hmm. it is, you know, what, what I had done was I had always lived in future tense. Mm -hmm. It was too hard to live here and to look backwards I would be emotionally spent. I, I couldn't go to the desolate place because Joey was hurting so much. Mm -hmm. So this process of going through therapy really helped me kind of bring Joey to the present. So I can ask those questions. I'm like, well, what mm -hmm. would Joey do right now? What does Joey need right now? And it, it really helped me. And, and now I, I can have, have similar conversations with my kids or talking with friends. Yeah. Uh, and then I have friends that I trust that have mm -hmm. gone into the deep parts with me to say, well, what, what does Joey think 
right now? What, what does Joey need right now? And I, um, I was, my, my partner lives up in, uh, in Utah and we were, I, I got laid off from my job a couple of months ago and I'd gone up to spend time with him and we were off mountain biking and usually I'm good. He's better than I am and I'm fine with that. But the mountain bike ride was just horrible. And we were climbing a mountain and I just got in my head and I was just swearing up a storm. I couldn't, I couldn't ride over rocks. I couldn't do the downhill. It was just miserable. So mm. we get to the bottom and I'm crying and he's like, what's going on? And I was just like, I just feel like I've totally failed. I, mm. I, and I'm processing this stuff with losing my job. And it was, I'm so grateful for him because he said to me, what is, what does Joey need right now? What would Joey do right now? And it, it really helped turn, turn the tide for me to be able to say, I need to take care of Joey right now. I had been actually pushing him away where really I needed to be close with Joey. Um, right. So when I think about the, these building these relationships in the gay community, uh, I, I want to be able to tell a story that is authentic, vulnerable, mm-hmm. uh, and, and I, I definitely need friends. All right. But I, went deep but I think that's a piece of the puzzle is, okay, so you just said something that is, the overriding biggest thing that I hear in the gay male community right now is I need friends. It's almost like the pandemic. Well, it took away a lot of stuff. First, it took people away, but it took away a lot of gathering places and all that sort of stuff. And it's almost like it took away our ability to go, how do I interact? How do I do this friendship thing? How do I make new friends? How do I, how do I be human again, right? And I love that for you, storytelling is such a big piece of that puzzle because what I have found, and I, I, so I coach, my listeners know I coach professional speakers on building their speaking business in addition to, you know, mm. coming out, coaching and everything else. And I love listening to people's stories as they're talking about their speaking, but I also love helping them get it to that really beautiful space where it's not so elaborative and so complex that suddenly people are like, are they ever going to get done with this story? Like <laughs> get to the point, right? Yes. But I yeah. feel like we as gay men, this is another space that we hold back. We're so intent on, we want friends, but we don't want to be so vulnerable that we share our stories. But if we don't share our story, and it doesn't mean you have to go on and on about what your story is, right. but if we don't yeah. share our story, we can't build communities and build friendships and be seen, heard and supported And then we wonder why we struggle so much. To me, the vulnerability of just opening up and doing it is absolutely amazing. Yeah, I I agree with you. And we we are looking for a point of connection. Like we're Mm -hmm. human beings. We thrive in connection and community. Uh, And and that's why I am trying to build those relationships. And some of them have gone really well. And and some of them are like, okay, that, that doesn't, it doesn't fit kind of my family dynamic, everything. And, and I think those things are all right. Where I mm-hmm. used to be so worried about, is this person like me? Are they going to be my friend? Are they from material? And that just doesn't serve me very well anymore. Mm-hmm. Where I I want to be able to have fun and, and I'm an outdoors person. So I love to go, uh, I love to do stuff, stuff outside and get to know people who are not like me. all of this like the the pandemic really forced me to see i was living in such a narrow view of life uh, Mm. where now i'm like hey let's go experience let's meet people who are not like me 
Let's build friendships with people that I would normally not spend time with. Mm -hmm. uh, and it creates such a rich community. Um, that's so different than what it was. That, oh, right. I got, I got to tell you, so I'm actually great friends with my ex-wife. Mm -hmm. She is really supportive. And so I was actually joking with her today. And I just said, I'm so glad we are here right now mm -hmm. as mm -hmm. here at like me here in this space of life, you and your space of life, and then us as a family. I am yes. so grateful. I would not go back uh, mm. because we are healthy. We are whole. Uh, we are so much more courageous in our conversations. Uh, I think we do really hard stuff as a yes. family and as individuals. We, we, we couldn't have done it three years ago. We certainly couldn't have done it nine years ago when we got divorced. We were just broken souls. But I think that's the beauty of this is when we admit to, and that's part of our story, when we admit and embrace that we're broken souls, but that doesn't mean that's where we have to stay. And yeah. I've worked with so many people and continue to work with a lot of people who they, they stay in the broken soul arena mm -hmm. and they don't realize there's a way out, but you have to step out of the, the arena. It may not just yeah. be a step. You may have to fight your way out of that arena. And, and it's not easy. I mean, I've been on both sides of the fence in my ex relationship and, and now we're not in a space where we even really interact except when we have to, but it's much more healthy at this stage to not interact too. So I, I got to that space where I'm like, Hey, that feels better than what we used to do. And mm -hmm. it's been better for our children who are now grown adults. But I think for many people just acknowledging we have a broken soul, we know it. We can feel it because we're hurting, right? The pain is there. But until we like just be with it and be dig deep into it and embrace it and go, okay, I'm here. Now, what do I get to do? Not what do I have to do? What do I get to do from here forward? And I love that you're bringing all this kind of insight and wisdom into your book so that people can kind of see the different facets of this. Because right now, I feel one of the things we need most on the planet is story and hope and see resilience and see possibilities. We are so broken as a planet right now of possibilities, resilience, just it's almost like, yeah, screw it. It's non-existent yeah. versus what's possible. In fact, it was really interesting. Um, again, everybody listening, <laughs> we're leaving on this vacation. So by the time you hear this one, this one's over with. But um they had a Zoom call for everybody going on this trip. And we're going on a French ship. And so one of the questions was like, oh, is it going to be all French food and everything? And they're like, yeah, there's going to be a predominance of French food, but there will be an American standard menu offered at every meal. You can get these sort of things. And one of the um, owners of the company who organizes these trips, he said, but I want to invite you all to be adventuresome. Mm -hmm. This is your time. First of all, we're going on an amazing, fabulous vacation from Hawaii to Bora Bora, Tahiti, all those areas. We're going to go on for 17 days total, small community, 260 passengers. He goes, I'm going to invite you to be adventuresome and making connections and be adventuresome and doing some things you wouldn't do. Even if that means at the dining room table going, I don't know if I'd like this, but order it. And if you don't, that's okay. Then you get to order something else. And that really hit home to me because it's kind of how I like to live my own life. Like I'll try anything. I'll try anything. At least most things, at least once skydiving. No, that's never going to happen, but uh, oh, I just did it. It was amazing. It was so much fun. 
well, I would love to, but I have some heart issue things. I'm like, I don't want to push that envelope. And, you know, yeah. otherwise I would probably go, Hey, you know, after I had my first stroke, I'm like, yeah, I'd still skydive. Then after the second one, I'm like, I don't know if I would, you know, but, um, but there are most things I would do just because it's like, why not? And even when it comes down to coming out of the closet, it's really interesting when I first start working with someone who's like, I'm not sure this is the path for me. That is one of the first questions I ask them is why not? Why would it not be the path if it's already on your mind? And I never force anybody out of the closet. That is not what I do in my coaching whatsoever, but I always like to put it in. What's the adventure you might experience and what is it you might not get to experience if you stay in the closet. And again, I'm never going to push anybody out. That is not my job. But I think it's really interesting when we ask ourselves the questions, what's the adventure we might not get to experience? So. Yeah, Rick, I, I, I'm going to lean into that for, for just a minute because a lot of times I get asked the question, if you and your ex-wife never got divorced, would you, would you have come out? And it's really a, a very quick response. It's no, I, I wouldn't have because mm. I had a good marriage. Um, you know, I love my kids. I was kind of living in this box. Like there, I had learned to live yep. a half life. Yep. And mm. so I, you know, what I was saying to my, my ex-wife today of, I'm so glad that we're here uh, because we have gotten to experience so much more. I've met people I would have never come in contact with. Yep. I've heard stories that I would have never heard. Um, I've cried with people that I would have never cried with and I would not have had empathy for their situation if I Absolutely. didn't do the work in therapy and chosen mm -hmm. to come out. Yeah. It's hard, man. It's like you you've been pretty pretty transparent of like it's not easy. No, it's not. Uh, and there's and that's so not being that. said to scare anybody, but it, it is yeah. a big bold move. And mm -hmm. even in the best of circumstances, it can be scary just to start to learn about yourself and yeah. see what, you know, I mean, for most of us, most of us who come out later in life, one of the scariest things is, okay, so now I'm out. Now, how do I meet somebody? I don't even know how to date. I didn't really date anybody prior to this. That can be yeah. one of the scariest things, especially in this day and age where dating is in the palm of your hand or on the next reality TV show, you know? Yeah. But, um, yeah. but it's, it is very, it's very valuable <laughs> to see that transparency and go, okay, I'm not alone. I'm mm -hmm. not the only person dealing with this. So yeah, yeah. The, you know, the first, the first time I kissed a guy, I was like, "Oh, that's how it's supposed to feel." Like mm -hmm. again, I had a great marriage. I loved my ex-wife. It, we, it's, it's what we knew growing up mm -hmm. and, yep. and and becoming adults. But when I kissed a guy, I was like, "Oh, okay." And mm -hmm. Joey was like, "Woohoo!" This mm -hmm. is exactly the there's just something and... about it exactly so i love that story in fact real quick before we wrap up i remember interviewing a gal it's probably been two or three years ago on the podcast and she was married to a guy who never really would come out so she ended up having an affair and i remember her line and as i was having that first intimate moment with this guy even though i was cheating she's like okay so this is what it's supposed to feel like when you're really making love and I thought that's a really impactful way to look at this. It's like, this is what it really feels like when you're really with, and I know it's hard. I'm never going to say it's hard for somebody who's on the other side of this equation. Like suddenly your yeah. husband or your wife comes out of the closet and then you're like, great, where, you know, all of this, I just always want to invite them. I know it's hurt. 
It's going to hurt. You've created these lives. I get all that. But on the other side of it, if you choose to let yourself go, okay, then what do I now get to go experience? A lot of times they're going to find the experience that they're really supposed to be having versus the one that they had. So, yeah. Yeah. And releasing that spouse. I, I don't think we can say it enough. It, it, it It's really hard it, if you're in a marriage, uh-huh. but if you can look at it from a perspective of if I could release my spouse to go and receive the full breadth of love and intimacy uh-huh. they deserve, maybe, maybe that's going to be helpful for you. Um, yep. And by having a community that's safe to be able to talk about it, having somebody like a life coach like you, having a therapist, anything like that is extremely helpful uh, for, for somebody to, to work through that process. Awesome. Well, Joe, I so appreciate you being part of this world, sharing your story. Again, give your book a shout out, tell people where they can find it, all that good stuff before we wrap it up here, man. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. So it's Creosote Rain by Joe Maxton. You can uh, find it on Amazon. Uh, you can get it through Kindle. You can uh, get a, uh, a paperback. And in by the time this comes out, there should also be an audio version through uh, through Audible or iTunes. Awesome. And we're going to have all those links on the website, everyone, all the ways to connect with Joe and get a book. Love to encourage you to get a copy of it. I'm going to be reading it while I'm on the ship, no doubt. And um, look forward to seeing other success as you move through not only books and all this stuff, but continue to grow into your beautiful life as the gay man that, well, you've always been that just needed to step forward and be yourself. So thank you so much, Joe, for being part of this and sharing your story today. I really appreciate you, buddy. Thank you so much. I appreciate it also. Hey, 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 Life Uncloseted family. Another episode of Life Uncloseted has come to an end and it is time for all of us to sashay away and go face our fears, make those bold moves and stand up to living our life without apology. But before you do, I've got a favor to ask of you. Would you hop over to iTunes or Spotify or Podbean or wherever it is that you're listening to this and just give us a little bit of love if you like what we're doing here at Life Uncloseted. Here's what it does. It helps other people find the show. It helps other people get to know what we're all about. And you just might help change life. In fact, if you really want to change a life, we'd love it if you just ask a friend to take a listen and see what they think. So that's it. Love you all deeply. I'm Rick Clemens, the host of Life Uncloseted. And never stop stepping out, stepping up, and stepping in to living your life uncloseted.